0: Let me just focus.
1: Oh wait, let me click as well. <laughs> Okay.
0: What did I say that I'm going to ask? I completely forgot the question.
1: So we still have some bloopers. Hello and welcome to the learning experience brought to you by Trainers Forum hosted by myself, Oscar, and M. Laden.
0: Hi everyone! This season, Oscar and I will explore the science and art of learning and learning in non-formal education. So buckle up and enjoy this episode. Hello, everybody. I'm here with uh, Anka, Transformational Life and Business Coach and Leadership Development Trainer and Facilitator. Anka, can you tell us something about yourself now?
1: Hi, Mladen. Thank you so much for the introduction and thank you for inviting me to be part of your podcast. Um, Hello, everyone. I I am Anka, and I am a um, Transformational Life and Business Coach and a Leadership Development Trainer. And I have over 10 years of experience in leadership development training and over six years of coaching experience, and I'm more than happy to share my journey with you today.
0: Thank you so much for the introduction. And uh, today we're going to talk about uh, non-formal education and also Anka's experience as a trainer. So let's first define non-formal education, and uh, also I know that a lot of trainers start in non-formal education so we're going to go in that direction so what is non-formal education Anka
1: mm, so when we are referring to non-formal education we mostly mean any form of education that a person could acquire outside a formal educational institution or environment so pretty much outside of um, a school outside of a university and it's mostly within some kind of organizational framework uh, through non-formal uh, education institutions.
0: Yes. And uh, how did it start for you as a trainer? Because I know, I know, because we talked a lot. <laughs> and um, has it has it been the same for you that you started in uh, non-formal education as a trainer?
1: Yes, that very much applies in my case as well. And um, just for uh, for our listeners, maybe we can give them some examples of um, where they can encounter non-formal education. Um, so most of the times, uh, this refers to involvement in activities that are either part of NGOs or they could be student organizations. Um, Or it can even go as far as, for instance, certain classes, like even swimming classes or sports in general, uh, that can be considered non-formal education as long as they are not intended to be performed in a professional manner or competing reasons. Uh, Now, when it comes to my situation uh, and my experience with non-formal education, in my case, I have been involved in different NGOs since I was in high school, um, but I would say that my biggest transformation journey through non-formal education started in my second year of university when I joined the biggest international youth-led organization, uh, which is called ISEC, and this was back in November 2010, <laughs> so quite a while back.
0: Nice. okay, we can also tell our uh, listeners that we also met through Isaac on a project in Lithuania, so we both like you were you were the chair of the conference and I was a facilitator its a train the trainer uh, situation. so is there something that you wanted to share from from our first meeting?
1: That is very true. We also we also met through um, through this organization. Uh, so that was back in two thousand nineteen, right? Um, when we first met. So that was an international conference. It was a train the trainer conference. So um through that event we were pretty much so it was intended to help other people, other um other students, let's say, young people in general, to help them strengthen or strengthen their skills uh when it comes to to training, when it comes to facilitation, public speaking, presentation skills in general. Um so yeah, this is pretty much how we met. At that point as uh as you already mentioned, Mladen, I was the chair of the conference and Mladen was one of uh, the trainers.
0: For me, like that experience was uh really, really great because it was the first time that I was uh facilitating on, a national, on an international conference and uh, it, was, it was just like seven days completely isolated from the world in a, in a good way because we worked so hard for those people to get those skills in facilitation and um, I think that I wouldn't have had that experience in any formal setting as, as of now. Let's talk then about what happens in non-formal education.
1: Usually the main difference, what makes non-formal education stand out is the fact that you learn things you otherwise wouldn't have the chance to get to know only through your university studies, for example. So most of the times during our university years, we learn about different theories, different concepts, and mostly what we should do in different circumstances or situations, right? Um, Now the difference Between that and non-formal education is the fact that through non-formal education, we learn how to do things in real life. And on top of that, people also learn from each other. People help each other grow and develop into gaining those hands-on skills.
0: What are the benefits of experience-based learning that you encountered?
1: There are actually quite a lot of benefits. So first of all, it is a. It is very different than learning from a textbook, because you get to experience everything directly. You literally learn by doing, so it's pretty much a process of trial and error. So you have both the space and the opportunity to learn as you go, also to learn from your mistakes, to improve, and then pretty much do it again. And if we take the context of um, students' organization. What we were mentioning before where you may either be just a regular member or even potentially have a leadership position you can try out different things you can implement new ideas strategies you even have the freedom to fail then to learn from your mistakes improve what you did and then be better the next time and such an experience also usually helps students and young adults overall before they would get their official corporate job, so to say, where most of the times um, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have the space or the opportunity to uh, go through this process of trial and error, right? Because at that point, once you already landed your corporate job, then if you keep on experimenting things and some may fail, then you might also risk your position, your your job itself, right? Or maybe a cut in the payroll, which of course no one wants to happen. While in the case of uh, non-formal education, especially through this process of experience-based learning, we don't have that, let's call it threat, or we, we don't have that thing in the back of our heads, like, oh my God, if I make a mistake, then I get fired. We actually have the freedom to learn from this kind of mistakes.
0: Yes, great. So nice summary of uh, everything that, uh, that I wanted you to say <laughs> you you are someone who went through a lot of courses at the university, can you tell us a little bit more about that and what was the part in non non formal education that was uh, additional to your studies so what you didn't learn in school
1: that's that's an amazing question and yes, that's very true um i I do have quite some uh quite a series of degrees that I I acquired through formal education. I currently have six degrees. I have two bachelor's degrees, two masters and two other degrees which could be considered as a level one and level two throughout bachelors and then throughout masters. And those level one and level twos are related to pedagogical, psychological and training skills you could technically consider them as additional, like one more bachelor and one more master's. And even though I have been going through this extensive educational journey from a formal standpoint, there are still many aspects which I only gained through non-formal education that I couldn't just learn from a textbook. For instance, the beginning of my my training career and experience started through non-formal education also through non-formal education i discovered my my passion and purpose or my calling if you may or in other words i discovered what i pretty much want to do in life Uh, non-formal education also helped me develop leadership skills my training and facilitation skills it also gave me a taste of what coaching means uh, which afterwards pointed me in that direction and made me realize this is one path that I definitely want to pursue and this is pretty much clarity which no amount of university degrees could offer me. I I got the chance to be clear on what I want to do through non-formal education.
0: So you you mentioned all those skills. So let's start talking about uh, how the learning happened for you there. So can you tell me more about the leadership skills that you uh,
1: developed? So my journey of developing leadership skills and competences started in Bucharest in Romania. That's where I uh, first joined the International Students Organization um, that I previously mentioned. And that was also... The time and the place where I had my very first leadership, leadership position, that was at that point at a local level, I was leading um, a team of five people. And I was in charge of the global internship department and mainly in charge of the quality of the internship that we were providing through this organization. And from there, my journey skyrocketed, so to say, in the sense that I had the opportunity to have several other leadership positions on an international level in different countries, in Greece, in Austria. For instance, in Greece, my position was that of a vice president of human resources. So what I pretty much did <laughs> as um, as a DPHR, so to say, I was uh, on the one hand uh, accountable for the membership retention of the entire entity. I was implementing a tracking performance system. Also through my term, the uh, member retention rate increased by 75%. I was also the first person at that point in, in the history of of the committee who founded the talent management team. I was also uh, developing and training the members uh, through local conferences and also um, in general, just delivering um, training sessions um, to help them develop the, the, their skills. And also I uh, was in charge of developing and also implementing a recruitment plan and conducting the entire selection process through which Uh, we had a 250% membership growth. Um, Also another position which helped me a lot uh, when it comes to developing my leadership skills was that of being a country leadership program director in Austria. And through this role, I was in charge of designing and implementing a national leadership development program for the entire entity. And at the same time also, I uh, was creating both the agenda and all the session outlines for the national conferences on leadership, and through this, the leadership retention of the entity increased by over a hundred percent. So that was something I was I was very happy and proud about.
0: Nice congratulations! I myself haven't heard these stories from Anka, so this is like exclusive, exclusive from for everybody. And uh, would you say that this was also, in a way, the start of your journey as a trainer?
1: Mm, I would say my journey as a trainer started even a little bit before. So before actually diving into into this part or better said even before realizing that this is something that i'm passionate about i first attended a train the trainers conference as a delegate to see if this is something i would like to further pursue and when it comes to even my motivation for attending this conference i would say that why what inspired me was Previously, when I was attending as, um, as a delegate different conferences through this organization, I was always so inspired by, by the people who were training us, by the trainers, by the facilitators. And I felt like I was gaining so much knowledge and hands-on experience at the same time. And I just wished I could also give back To help other people uh, grow and develop as much as I felt I was developing through this kind of sessions and also through my admiration for for all those people who were training us the ones that were on stage so all those were for me reasons to explore this part and this made me attend the Train the Trainer conference to see if this is something that I would actually like to pursue. And first of all, to to gain the skills for it. <laughs> so this happened back in 2011. So that was the beginning of 2011 when I first attended such a conference. Uh, I completely fell in love with, with this entire aspect of delivering Sessions, delivering trainings to other people and then half a year later i attended the the advanced version of such a conference so at that point i i can say that i became um like a fully rounded trainer so to say and half a year after that so that would be already 2012 that's when I had the international leadership position in ISAC in Greece. And all this knowledge and experience of already delivering trainings served me very well for the position that I was having in Greece.
0: This this is great because I think that we made a full circle with uh, our story when we talked about train the trainers in Lithuania where we met, and then now how you started as a delegate on such a conference. What would be something that people get from these conferences? What in in sense of like the learning and uh, just because uh, it sounds amazing and I mean from my experience it is. <laughs> Tell us more about that.
1: When it comes to the actual skills that people are gaining through such conferences, um, it's it's pretty much as the title itself says it: during the trainer conference. So what what the delegates what the attendees are gaining from this are pretty much hands-on experience of what it means to become a trainer so it's not just the theoretical part and telling them a bunch of theories and concepts of how it should be and how it could be, but it's more a space for them through those conferences to already deliver certain sessions so they literally apply everything they are learning on the spot so this is pretty much what happens in in such a conference um where we also had the chance to meet and um now when it comes to let's say more specifically what like if we want to take the example of a session so for instance the way that i myself as a trainer the way that i deliver this kind of session through experience based learning pretty much most of so m- most of the time the delegates are first experiencing it, then they reflect on the experience they had or on that particular situation that the trainer is putting them in uh, then they analyze what happened. Uh, what are the main things they took out of it? And by the main things, I'm referring here to the learnings they took out of that experience. Then they also get to think of what they could have done differently, or maybe better, if they were given the, the opportunity to to do it again, to just give it another shot. And only after they already re- on the experience and the learnings they already gained only then we go through the actual theory behind it whatever applicable
0: yeah thank you for explaining this what are then the reasons that people join and stay in organizations like this
1: that's a very good question and i would say that Most of the times, the reason why people join is very different than the reason why they stay. So most often than not, based on my experience, young people in general of any age or students in general of any age may join um, a non-formal organization in order to be able to add some experience to their resumes uh, before applying for a corporate job. For some, this may be enough, and in such cases, they usually leave very soon. However, um, there are many others who decide to stay. And usually, when people decide to stay longer in such an organization, they stay for the impact. And when I say impact, this usually goes both ways. It's on the one hand, the impact that the organization had on their learning and growth overall as well as the impact they they see and they realize they can bring to the development of others in return.
0: Hi, hi, you've reached the midpoint of the episode. We wanted to let you know that the mission of this episode is to connect learners and educators throughout the world, which is the same as Trainers Forum mission, and you can find more information about it on trainersforum.org, and if you want to connect more with our podcast, you can find us on Instagram, on our new page, The Learning Experience, with a dot between each word. And also, all our social links are in the description. See you guys. Now we go back to the episode. You also said that uh, in the setting of like, non-formal education in general, that you found your own purpose. So how, how did that happen for you? and what what is it if it's not a secret
1: <laughs> it's it's definitely not a secret, and I'm very happy to to share it with you and with um with our listeners. yes, that's very true i am I'm very happy and grateful to say that I did discover my purpose and in general what what I want to do in life and for the world pretty much through non formal education and this is how i also completely fell in love with with training and coaching. So if I am to share my purpose with you, this is pretty much related to helping people grow and develop um, into becoming a better version of themselves and reach their full potential. And when it comes to how I am currently doing this through the past 10 years now, I'm doing this through training and coaching.
0: How does your experience go beyond uh, non-formal education?
1: Um, if I'm to summarize my experience so far and pretty much what what I currently do, so throughout my 10 years of training, I have been delivering training sessions on over 60 international conferences. Yeah, I think that, that would be... Um, a relatively accurate number, probably a bit more than that. But let's um, let's sum it up to 60 so far in, in over 15 countries on three continents. So pretty much all the way from North Africa to the southern parts uh, like Mauritius, all throughout Europe and even in Asia. When it comes to the coaching aspect, my over six years of experience um, covered delivering coaching sessions to both individuals and um, groups, from young professionals to executives, entrepreneurs, and even organization in, organizations in general, startups, and, and even companies. And when it comes to uh, the business side of coaching, uh, my clients so far, have been from various fields such as hotel management, even parliament, ministries, construction, and the list goes on.
0: Is there something that uh, is common for all of these parts?
1: I would say that one main common thing that all the people that I've been either training or coaching were were taking from would be both the exponential and transformational growth that they were experiencing in a very short period of time.
0: Great. And then I, I think there's a big cultural element here because you said that you did it in many different countries. Was it different when you deliver a session in one part of the world than in the, than in the other?
1: When it comes to cultural differences, there are actually quite some aspects that I personally um, tend to take into consideration, and also based on what I've been noticing, depending on the side of the world <laughs> that I am in, what I uh, what I noticed, especially when it comes to training, uh, I tend to be more careful when it comes to certain activities, certain experiential activities that I tend to use during my training sessions um, in order to make sure that I do not unintentionally offend anyone from that particular culture. And when when I'm mentioning this, I mostly refer to, let's say, more traditional cultures. For instance, it could be like Middle Eastern cultures or sometimes arabic cultures which could have quite some differences when it comes to perceiving certain activities as compared to european countries for instance so uh, in my case what i do i i make sure that i'm well aware especially about the very hard no (laughs) limits of the culture that i'm i'm delivering a training session in especially if it's a conservative country just to make sure that i'm not unintentionally overstepping
0: and was there any particular like a cultural shock that you in, uh, encountered what was the biggest challenge for you
1: the first thing that comes to mind when it comes to to a challenge or maybe even I would even go as far as saying as um subconscious fear that I had to overcome. <laughs> the main thing that comes to my mind is a situation I experienced in Iran where I was delivering training sessions throughout the span of 4 days uh during a conference on leadership development and The group of people that I was delivering those sessions to were only entrepreneurs. And it so happened that the delegates that I was having in my group were only men. And all of them were way older than me. So at that point, I was 26 years old. And I remember that the age range of um, the people that I was having in my group was between 28 and 45 years old. So everyone was way older than me. Some of them even almost having double my age. They were also only men. We were in a very conservative country, Iran. So at that point, when it comes to fears and challenges, I even now I remember so vividly that the morning before the conference started, I kept on having like all those thoughts in my head saying that, like, you know, like all those voices that sometimes we, we tend to have, uh, either the voice of fear or voice of judgment, which at that point to me was saying, okay, so first of all, you are a woman in Iran, and you are going to deliver a training session, like not just one training session, but the entire conference to a group of on the men who are way older than you. Some of them even double your wage. So what makes you think they would even want to listen to you or just hear what you want to say so um, those were like all the things that were going on in my head like who are you to go in front of them and teach them they probably have so much more experience in life than you do and so on so um, all those voices which were definitely not helping at that point so once i finally caught myself being trapped by my own mind <laughs> in my mind uh, with just like this like downward spiral so to say then I literally just like called myself out because I, I was only 15 minutes before the session was supposed to start so obviously with this mindset I couldn't just go in there and just deliver in front of everyone so I, I had to just snap myself out of it so what I did, I was pretty much okay. So first of all, I know exactly what I'm doing. I, I know very much the content. I am pro- a professional when it comes to delivering all those sessions that I've been delivering for so many years. So this is something that I know for a fact I master also based on all the testimonials um, that I've been receiving up until that point. So this is one thing that started increasing a little bit my my self confidence at at that point and then when it comes to everything also this this was at that point the only thing that i could control right only the part that was related to me my knowledge and the way that i deliver so i went in there having this in mind that i pretty much know my shit <laughs> so i i went inside So the session started, and to my surprise, which was a very pleasant surprise, was the fact that pretty much soon after we started, I realized that all the people who were there were there because they genuinely wanted to learn. They were not there to judge. They were not there to point fingers or say that they're, like, better or or anything like that. They they were there because they just wanted to learn. And they were there to both listen and share their experiences. So that made me realize that all those like voices and fears in my head were actually just in my head. It had nothing to do with the actual reality. And this is also what, in general, we as human beings tend to do, especially when it's something that we really care about to the point that we tend to, let's say, have that that tiny little bit of fear, or as the saying says, if your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough, right? So once we have that that tiny little fear in the back of our head, most of the times we unfortunately tend to create certain issues that may not even be there. So, and this is also what I used to do some years back. And of course, this, or at least in my case, it got also easier with experience, but it's not just about that. it's more about being confident in in your skills and um just being confident in in your abilities and as long as you are always open to keep on learning, then it's it's just a matter of believing in what you're capable of. This would also be like a piece of advice um, for for all our listeners from my side, that you really need to to believe in yourself.
0: Yeah, thank you, Anka. I love how you summarized uh, the that story, and uh, I think we can all take something from there. And also, you you said about uh, how how you always have to have to do something and go beyond and it reminds me of this quote by robin sharma he's one of the biggest trainers in the world and he said uh, that if everything is okay then you're going too slow so in order to make that impact to make that change to actually follow your dreams you have to always be busy and uh, i think that we hear that from other people in the in some other industries in our lives like all these leaders, I would say, to go to go to that extent, that they are always onto to something. Thank you so much for sharing your experience with us, and I just wanted to ask you a few last questions. One of them is, uh, how is Anka before going into non-formal education in general, and how is Anka now? So can you compare two Ankas now? <laughs>
1: oh wow that's that's actually a very, very big difference mm. so if I am to think of how I used to be before i um especially before I joined this youth organization during my university years, so if I am to look back at how I used to be in high school, especially when it comes to like public speaking or presentation skills or anything that would involve me being on the stage. <laughs> it's actually quite a hilarious story. Throughout my high school years, I was always asked by professors to represent uh, the high school for different uh, symposiums or uh, in general, like different learning-related competitions on different subjects that we were studying. And for each of those, I had to deliver presentations on stage in front of hundreds of people most of the times they were like at the national level so there were people from all over the country uh, from different high school and high schools and i remember that just the thought of it was so terrifying to me and no matter how how prepared i was and how um well i was I, I knew the content I was shaking, so every time I was just stepping on the stage i I was like literally shaking. I was so happy that every time I had to um to present something, I was somehow either behind the table or I remember I was always shaking like literally physically shaking every time I had to get on a stage, and I was so happy when it was the case that i had to to present or in general like deliver my my speech my presentation from behind either a table or or a stand so people can't really visibly see (laughs) uh, how terrified i was Um, and i also remember that i always needed to have the papers with me so even though i was well aware of the content and what what I wanted to say, what I was supposed to say, I still needed to have those papers in front of me for security. And I, I was just, like, my mind, even when I was delivering that entire presentation, my mind was just focused on, is this over yet? Is this over yet? Can I, like, just get back now? <laughs> back to my seat. So I was, like, literally completely terrified. So this was me before non-formal education. So if you would have asked, or if you would have told me, if someone would have told me at that point in time, when I was in high school, that I'm going to become an actual speaker, like an international speaker and a trainer, and I'm going to deliver training sessions in in front of even thousands of people, I would have probably just laughed in that person's face, (laughs) obviously not believing. I'm like, (laughs) all right, what a joke. But then once I joined this international youth organization in in, uh, my second year of high school, literally my entire world changed, everything shifted. So the more I was attending, first as a delegate, this kind of conferences through which I was learning so much, my admiration for the people who are delivering those sessions kept on constantly increasing like literally exponentially increasing and then with this admiration also the um the desire and that that fire somehow started burning inside me that this is something I want to do as well I've been gaining so much from those conferences and from those sessions trainings in general and this is definitely something that I want to be able to offer to people as well i want to be able to help other people grow and develop at least as much as i did through such trainings so at that point my my desire and like this fire that started burning inside me became much greater than my fear of public speaking and then once i started like taking the trainings and actually learning how to become a trainer myself and then through practice and like hours and tens and hundreds and thousands of hours of um, actual hands-on training experience then things just became so much easier and now if you just like throw me in front of an audience even without any speech or any preparation you just like give me a topic i can just like freely speak for for as much as needed and i love it right now i literally feel that I am in my flow, I'm in my element every time I'm delivering either a training session or a coaching session. Yeah, I would say those are, let's say, the differences between Anka before and Anka now.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much. I think uh, that we can all take some little parts from from your stories and uh, really use them to build our own experience that can be as great as uh, yours. Thank you, Anka, so much for talking about non-formal education. This is one of the favorite topics uh, as uh, as an educator myself. I hope that we'll get a chance to go deeper in some other things uh, so- sometime again. I can say some final words to our uh, viewers and listeners?
1: Uh, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me. It was a pleasure to share my experience with you, and I hope at least... Parts of my experience inspired others as well to dive deeper into non-formal education or in general into any other type of education which is not necessarily provided by a formal institution or environment. And if there is one thing that I would like to leave our listeners to, uh, that would be the fact that I strongly believe that in general, the entire learning process is a continuous process that all of us go through our entire life. And I encourage everyone to keep an open mind to the fact that there is always something more that we can learn. And I encourage everyone to do so.